Hello, welcome to Fats on Film. I am your host, Hannah Ogilvy, and this week we are talking about The Silence of the Lambs, a horror thriller classic. And this week I am so pleased to introduce my very first guest on Fats on Film. It's Meg Kenny. Hello, Meg. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. I'm very excited to talk about oh. this film. Oh, good. I'm so happy you're here. And like, and for the blisters who don't know who you are, like, who are you and what, what's your interest? Why have we, Why do we know each other? Who am I? Why am I here? Why yes. is any of us here? That's a very big uh, question. <laughs> um, so I am um, a writer. So we met because we both write for Ghouls. We do, um, yes. Which is very exciting. Um, and I'm also a, a parapsychologist and a researcher. Um, and I also am co-host of the Monstrous Flesh podcast, which mm-hmm. is we've released the trailer for um, and we'll be dropping the first episode soon. So that's very exciting. And I am a horror fanatic, you know, just a lover of the genre. Absolutely. Um, so I'm very excited. and very pleased that you asked me to be on, actually. I'm very oh, much looking forward to it. I, I'm so thankful you're here. And we had it, you know, as you do on the podcast, we've had a bit of a brief chat just beforehand. And I was just explaining to Meg, like, this is something I'm passionate about and what's been awesome is putting myself out there and finding other people like yourself who are also <laughs> passionate about this subject matter and I'm like where have we been why have we not had this club sooner <laughs> yeah where have we all been we've all been alone hiding. we've all been alone wondering where are all the other fat people who are annoyed about how fat people are treated <laughs> So I put myself out there going like, okay, like I want to talk about this now. And here we are. People have come out the woodwork going, actually, yes. well, now you've now you've said that. I think we do need to have a conversation. So um, right, we're, we're talking about Silence of the Lambs. So let's get into uh just kind of like the cultural impact of Silence of the Lambs. Um, so it's it came out in 1991, it's based off the book by Thomas Harris. It's directed by Jonathan Dem, and he is quite a prolific director himself. He did Philadelphia, he did The Mancurian Candidate, so he's no like no stranger to massive, uh, I guess, like, I wanted, I was going to say, like, epics. Mm. But the Science of Lines, we'll get into it. It's a different kind of epic, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and then uh, screenplay is written by Ted Talley, who, which is a fantastic name, Wonderful. Ted Talley. And he also did Red Dragon, which is... Um, it's the prequel sequel. Mm. The prequel sequel. That prequel is such sequel. a good way. Such a good way to describe it. It is. Wonderful. It is. You know what? Like, oh, I'm already on a tangent. I remember <laughs> I definitely saw Red Dragon before I saw Science of the Lands when I was yeah. when I was really young. And I just remember Ray Fines in like the burning building at the end. Oh, yeah. That, that seared into my brain. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. is it is it um is it is it Emily Watson or Samantha Moore? Oh, it's yeah. one of them. One Emily of them. Watson. I think Emily, it's Emily Watson. Watson. Yes. And you know she's blind in it, and she's like, yeah. she goes up to the body on the floor, and she realizes it's blo- oh my god, that that oh, is in my brain. So yeah. Red Dragon, um, it's starring our gal Jodie Foster oh. and Anthony Tony Hopkins. Yes, legends, legends. It made two hundred and seventy million dollars, which is un real to think about that a horror thriller type mm-hmm. film can make that much money at the box office I mean I hope one day that comes back again but mm. that that is amazing this film did so well and it won all five major Oscar categories um do you know what the five major categories are I don't I mean I know there's best actor best supporting yeah. actor yeah um best screenplay 
yeah so they class the five major categories as best actor best actress best director best screenplay and best picture and size lambs took all that in and that's the third film to ever do so wow the other two films i've ever done that are it happened one night which is from the 30s Mm. and then one flew over the cuckoo's nest those are the only three films to ever done that and i just think things we've just got past the oscars i thought that was pretty cool to know Mm. so anyway um Meg, can you let us know what is the Science of the Lambs about? Oh, well, well, yes, I can. So an inexperienced yet ambitious FBI agent, Clarice Starlin, is drawn into the grisly investigation of Buffalo Bill, a serial killer who is murdering women and taking parts of their skin. So as part of this investigation, Clarice is tasked with getting a profile from the renowned psychiatrist Hannibal Lecter, otherwise known as Hannibal the Cannibal, mm-hmm. now serving life in a high-security uh, mental health facility. Um, and so what follows then is a cat-and-mouse game of psychological warfare as Clarice fights to locate Buffalo Bill and save his latest victim. Mm. But the question then becomes, can she save his latest victim, but also save herself. <gasps> oh. oh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Perfect. Uh, you, you know, as I was watching, I watched this film yesterday in prep for this podcast. And I realized like we do, like Clarice is a name we never hear of now. Oh, I know. It's wonderful. It's such a good name. I was like, ah, oh, where, where are all the Clarices in our world? Where are the Clarices? And then I was like, oh, also Hannibal isn't a very like well-used name either. But I, I, on the, I think Hannibal the Cannibal really ruined that name for a lot I of think, people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the earlier Hannibal were also like a, a warlord, I think. So, oh. you know, it's... Yeah, yeah, okay. I feel like, I mean... <laughs> That'll change you know, it. Don't yeah. write in if that's wrong, but... I... <laughs> <laughs> but we do not take criticism on this yeah. podcast. They will be We ignored. do not take criticism and we are not fact-checked. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, very strong. Very strong names, I think. Great right names. Gate, you know, Straight away. Yeah. So why did you suggest this film for the Facts on Film podcast? Well... The first thing um, I would say is that I do credit and now curse this film with mm-hmm. setting me on the career path that I've been down for, for some time. Okay. Because when I saw it, I just wanted to be Clarice Starling. I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Wonderful. Um, and so that then led me down the road of sort of forensic psychology. And mm. so I did my PhD in forensic psychology and all that jazz. Um, and I think... It, for that reason, it were a very influential sort of film, really. And, I mean, it came out in 91, so um, I'll, I don't know, I'm not very old. So I, I didn't see it until much later, uh, but definitely saw it before Red Dragon. Um, I probably saw it younger than I should have seen it. Yeah. I feel like it's one of them films that I probably saw and didn't really get what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I think when you watch films like that when you're young, somehow they become so ingrained in your psyche in a way mm-hmm. that when you watch films as an adult they just don't you know like mm-hmm. I think about certain scenes mm-hmm. um in in the film that I'm sure we'll get into spoilers I'm, I will give lots of spoilers oh no I mean you've had 32 <laughs> years to... if you've not watched it by now it's too <laughs> late it's too late for you <laughs> um but I think about like that when he finds when she finds that Ed in that jar oh yeah 
floats up and yeah. you know just horrifying you know uh-huh. which now I mean when you watch it now I suppose although I think the subject matter is still pretty horrifying it's pretty tame but like I remember seeing it and thinking mm-hmm. oh my god yeah um but also I mean obviously for this podcast facts on film I think there's a very sinister um sub like sort of subtext to it about women's bodies mm-hmm. and where women's bodies are treated mm-hmm. um and I, I think it's an interesting one for that. I mean, I suppose I should just jump straight in, I guess, to the, um, you know, the fact that like Buffalo Bill is deliberately targeting women mm-hmm. who are, you know, 14 plus yes. dress sizes for the, I mean, this is grotesque, isn't it? But for the wiggle room, I yeah. suppose, yeah. you know, um, which is is a really gross thing to be doing mm-hmm. generally i mean skinning women's not not cool bro it's mm-hmm. not really cool <laughs> it's not cool but i think it's an interesting one i mean i'd like to get know your opinion on it actually because does do you think that that comes across as as sort of justified mm. or do you think it's penalized because obviously we know the ending of the film and everything else but is that aspect of it do you think that's addressed in a satisfactory way so I'm in two minds with this because so from Buffalo Bill's perspective, he is targeting his victims purely because of their size. Like there is no other reason. Oh, well, I guess they are a woman and also yeah. because they are big. Yeah. And and his his logic being if they're bigger, it means they have more skin. And if he starves them for three days, mm. they will lose enough weight for it to be like more, I guess, stretchy, yeah. for lack of a better term. And I'm like, first of all, that's not how bodies work. It's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a fundamental flaw here. <laughs> the massive flaw, Bill. Like three days is nowhere near enough time for what you're trying to do. But I understand in the in the idea of like plot and story mechanics, there yeah. needs to be a time limit. You need the ticking clock. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, like it's not how bodies work. But at the same time, I understand why you've done it. Um, and but he he. I find he finds this weird line between he shows utter disrespect mm. to his victims. Obviously, you know mm. he he murders them, he starves them. Uh, mm. He calls Catherine Martin, who's the who's the victim we're following. So there've been five victims up to this point of the film, mm. and now we're following his latest victim. That's when Clarice is brought onto the onto the case. Um, so we're following Catherine Martin and hopefully hoping she's going to get saved. Mm. And he goes to her it moisturizes the skin when it is told. So like he doesn't see her as a person. He sees her as this object, which obviously that's not great. Mm. Then this this particular watch through, and I, was, I guess I was watching with a finer eye than I normally would, when he, um, the infamous scene where he is naked and he's dancing with, mm. with the, the scalp on his head, he puts on a necklace mm. of a fat woman. Mm almost like someone might wear a cross Mm. and I thought oh that's almost like you view a bigger body like as a deity Mm. and that I was like oh you're showing more respect to a bigger body or just even like womanly flesh more than you have previously Mm. so I I I was like I don't know really actually (laughs) what 
what that was trying to say. Um, I don't know whether like he does, he does actually really appreciate in his own way these women's sacrifice. I'm using air quotes mm-hmm. here, sacrifice, because in in the film he's obviously very damaged. He they we can get into the whole transgender issue and how the representation of that works in a mm-hmm. bit. But they make it clear that his his desire to become a woman is baked into severe trauma. So I'm wondering if he's actually viewing these women who he's murdering and skinning skinning for their skin, if he views them almost like a sacrifice for him in order to enable the life he wants. Mm-hmm. And I just find that like a really interesting nuance, which I hadn't which I hadn't caught before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously the character is based on Ed Gein. Um who you know, again, a very traumatised individual, not that that excuses um, his his sort of behaviour, but very traumatised, very... I mean, you know, Ed Gein's been inspiration for a a few people, Norman Bates as well. You know, this idea about um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well, and Mm -hmm. and this idea of um, the the sort of brutalising mother. Mm -hmm. uh, And then, but then like an inability to to move beyond that. And I think you see that in Buffalo Bill. There's obviously someone he's trying to become. It's just mm-hmm. never clear who that is. So, I mean, you never, I suppose, you could argue it's not relevant to the story in terms of his motivation. The fact mm-hmm. is he's, he's still, you know, killing women for the skins to make this suit. Yeah. But I do think, and I suppose, again, you could argue that that's better than what we get now. I mean, I'm not even going to get into the the absolute, you know, um, disgusting Jeffrey Dahmer sort of thing. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to get into that. I don't think it deserves any more airtime. I think mm-hmm. what the glamorizing of mm-hmm. perpetrators mm-hmm. is is a big problem in our culture. 100. percent Um, and so I don't know if it's better in a way that we don't understand him because it keeps him the 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 sort of the baddie we can't empathize because we don't know know. interestingly on that we're so intrigued by Hannibal Lecter and he is a bad man you know he's a bad man so instead of like um trying to bring that intrigue or you know not bringing that many complexities to Buffalo Bill They've moved that to almost like this. I don't even, he's not an anti hero because he's a murderer, <laughs> a murdering cannibal, but yeah. he is, he, he really is in the grayest of areas where yeah. he um, respects Clarice to a certain degree mm. and wants to help her, want, wants to save this victim. He doesn't know, but it, it's, it's, uh, you know, to, gain more information to Clarice so he is getting something out of it it's just it's just so like fascinating I, I love I mean I, I think this is like the most you know obvious statement in the world but Anthony Hopkins in this film is just oh, yeah. magnetic yeah. and even though you know you shouldn't be you know you want to keep him at arm's length he just draws you in it's, it's brilliant he's brilliant and oh my god I just love the campness of like some of his lines, like mm. what like the initial meeting when he goes like, "You look like a rube," yeah, <laughs> or like um with your with your nice bag and your cheap shoes. I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, the shade." Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like, and I do think that perhaps 
and maybe I, I mean my thing I always get on about is class and class representations mm. but maybe there's an element of that to it that obviously Anthony Hopkins is very is a psychiatrist he's very high you know very upper class before he were um arrested mm. and Buffalo Bills this very working class lives in a very sort of rundown neighborhood like that's mm-hmm. that's what enables him to to perpetrate his offences because no one's watching. But again, that idea that he's somehow not deserving of that complexity, but Anthony Hopkins is because he is. But then also, I mean, from a... yeah. From a narrative point of view, obviously Anthony Hopkins and it's the dynamic between Annabelle and Clarice that mm-hmm. that is the the center of the film, really. Even like Catherine Martin, even she is sort of secondary, really. You know, she's oh, yeah. she's, the, she's the the sort of uh, catalyst, mm-hmm. but really the film is about their dynamic. Mm-hmm. And it is an interesting dynamic and it mm-hmm. is interesting to see. And that when he's sort of reading her really, really mm-hmm cruelly to show he can yes. you know yeah but then she just undercuts him and says you know and she says oh you, you're really good you see a lot but mm-hmm. maybe you're scared to turn that on yourself yes and that's what gets him yeah because she's she's not what i like about about clarice is she's frightened of him mm-hmm. and she's very clearly frightened of him mm-hmm. but she refuses to be cowed by him so mm-hmm. even though she's scared she's mm-hmm. still not gonna let him talk to her like that she's mm-hmm. not going to let him you know look down his nose at her mm-hmm. and I think that's really to be admired and obviously we know from when she's telling him things that she's a very from a working class background you know mm-hmm. she's had to fight to get to where she is absolutely um and and that that makes her character that much more interesting as well you know even when you see that when I were writing synopsis and I was sort of looking through and I saw someone say inexperienced and I thought and I thought she is inexperienced Mm -hmm. fine Mm -hmm. but also massively ambitious and it's interesting Mm -hmm. you leave that out at synopsis to me because Mm -hmm. it's how she's minimized even in film even in how people treat her as though she's she's somehow you know not she's not a, a, a worthy opponent and yes. I think we have that dynamic between her and Annabelle Lecter that he comes mm-hmm. to see she is a sparring, mm-hmm. a sparring partner. And, and how the books sort of develop then is, is very much that dynamic getting a bit more twisted up, really, to be honest. I mean, it's I don't know if, if you've seen um, Hannibal. Yeah. Third one. But even that's weird, again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like that's weird because you are going, oh, I hope they end up together. Uh-huh. I don't, uh, oh, I hope. They, but then you think, oh God, no! no. You don't him, but he's so charismatic. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I. I mean, I guess it's like it's just such a. I guess a trope of cinema. There's like charismatic sociopath or psychopath yeah. or whatever. So I just think of like Dexter. Like, oh my God! Like the I wanted to ride Dexter all like all day long when I was <laughs> when I was younger. And now I look back on it. I you know when they brought back the brought it back recently, and I was watching. I was like, oh my God! I used to fancy him so hard, but he is. A murderer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like where I where is my like self-preservation here? <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, it's like um, you know, like Sopranos. I mean, mm. everybody rules for Tony Soprano, and you think, yes. well, why? Because you know, he's he's a bad guy, he's doing yeah. bad things. But yeah. again, it's that that complexity, which to be fair, Hannibal mm. hasn't even got that complexity. You just mm. like him because he's charismatic. Like because he's, he's charismatic, he's, yeah. He's not, he has no um no guilt Mm-mm. about what he does no 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 no. he's proud of it like you yeah, know it's like, he's I like rude people yeah i'm here you know what are you gonna do about um, it but but i think 
again thinking about you know bodies and representation mm. and, and things how th- Clarice is treated yes I think, as a, this you know she's seen as this dainty petite sort of fragile everyone treats her like she's fragile yes absolutely and there's like so many scenes especially at the beginning when she's like you know Crawford's asked her back into the academy and mm. she goes and she goes into a lift and she's surrounded by you know much taller men yeah. than herself and it was really to like amplify how petite Jodie Foster is and how slight yeah. she is and I, I was going to ask you about that like what what is Crawford's goal with bringing Clarice in because you know he must have a school of people mm. he could have um he could have chosen from for this uh exercise you know her her roommate or friend um you know if he wanted like that womanly presence to maybe mm-hmm. seduce slightly or disarm Hannibal he could have picked her why does he pick Clarice I think it could be part of see because what I think is so interesting is when you first see her she's running and mm-hmm. she's going like L for leather she's yeah. going she is and she's fit. pushing and yeah. she's fit and she's I mean obviously that's a big requirement you have to keep your mm-hmm. fitness up but mm-hmm. she's like you can see even in that and it's a really good sort of establishing mm-hmm. shot of her I think because you see straight away how determined she is like exactly she's, she's pushing herself and pushing herself yeah um and and she does you know I mean, I think there's there's even like a, a conversation where it's like, why her? But she excels. She's top of her class. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is always that illusion to, oh, well, we'll send pretty woman in. And uh-huh. he's not seen a woman in such a long time mm-hmm. that he'll just be slavering at your feet, mm-hmm. which is an insult to both of them. Mm-hmm. But I do think as you watch film, that is overcome. And initially, I think, you know, Annabelle obviously thinks, oh, what have they done? Sent this young woman in thinking that she's going to flirt around me. And she does mm. try that a little she bit. does, yeah. She's a bit like, oh, you know, maybe you'll just do this. And he's mm. like, don't, but he's like, don't cheapen yourself. Yes. Like, don't embarrass me. You were doing so well. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is cheap and mm. it's beneath her. And I think, again, that idea about respect, even straight away, he, he has that respect for, for her. To be mm-hmm. like, don't don't cheapen yourself and mm-hmm. your ability. You can get information out of me, you know, mm-hmm. other ways. But I I, th- I don't know. I mean, it could be that he does see that in her. Uh, Crawford sees that determination, and you know, sees that she is a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and rather than there's illusion as well about the fact that you know, oh, is he trying to get in your pants? That's why he's letting you succeed. And mm. it, it really highlights, I think, there's a film that really toxic sort of male-dominated environment mm-hmm. of law enforcement and of mm-hmm. FBI and and this very um, masculine, or seen as very masculine. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to be masculine mm-hmm. in, a, in a way. She's trying to push all that softness aside because mm-hmm. she it's weakness. You know, it's it's... And you see that start to crumble as film goes on and when she's like begging him to help her and he's like, I've tell you, you've got this information. Because to him, it's just always a game. You know, it's, and I think that's, that's the, when people sort of relate to him, I do think that gets cut off at a certain point when you think, well, he could have ended this mm-hmm. days ago. He knows, he knows who this guy is. Yeah. Um, and it does highlight that he is a horrible psychopath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, <laughs> he only he only told her because he got something in return. Yeah. If 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 she had never come forth with with her memories with her past, mm. he would never have told 
um, would never have told Clarice who Buffalo Bill truly is. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, like he's all he is just for himself. Like he is like, you know, I guess I guess psychopaths or sociopaths have to be narcissistic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he is textbook narcissism. Like this is just for yeah. me. You know, you're yeah. here for me. But I think to your point about how he like really encourages her to play the game the best that she can. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we, you know, you mentioned how he can read her, but he also wants a worthy um, competitor he yeah. doesn't want a cheap fight and I think in that moment so when Clarice kind of goes in and she you know tries to slyly and it's really yeah. not sly bless her like bring back the questionnaire um, she's doing what she thinks Crawford wants her to do yeah. and he and, and Hannibal is saying no 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 you're better than that mm. and it's also like he can see more of her than Crawford can see in her and he's only just met her and I find that really interesting and it, like it inspires her to keep going and 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 you know uh, scheme and lie to his face and kind of get that confidence up which is really that's I mean love a confident woman get oh, it yeah you know but maybe <laughs> maybe not great that it's you know fed by this cannibal uh, <laughs> maybe not um but there was something else I wanted to say oh I do think um, I kept on clocking it was every man is a very male dominated film. Mm-hmm. I know it's obviously the lead is Jodie Foster, but I think there might be like four yeah. or five women, actually, if you count Catherine Martin's mom um, and everyone else is a guy and mm-hmm. everyone is referred to as sir. Mm-hmm. Even at the end, Clarice still calls Hannibal Dr. Lecter. Mm-hmm. like that that level of respect mm-hmm. but no one really calls Clarice ma'am or mm-hmm. miss mm-hmm. it's always Clarice mm-hmm. or or just straight to her last name mm-hmm. and I just thought that was a really interesting dynamic where like she doesn't seem to um walk in with the same respect as the man does because yeah refer to her as her first name and you could argue it's because she's a woman because she's petite because she's uh young but mm. it's interesting how like even at the end she's still not getting it even though when she gets her oh well, I guess she gets called special agent starling at the end which I love mm. I'm like oh yay <laughs> um and th- there's an interesting scene where they go to the funeral of one of the victims mm. and they are meet up with the local law enforcement there to get the the latest and they want to go to the I guess it must be the morgue to do mm. the the autopsy on the victim and there's a, just a sea of policemen and Clarice is the one who turns around going, okay, everyone, you know, mm-hmm. gotta go. We've got to give this woman some respect, give her some respect. And I, and I loved how in that moment she's championing the victim. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know whether I'm reading too much into this, but um, this is my podcast. I'll read as much into it. As well. <laughs> <laughs> but I just felt like, all of those people were staying in there because they wanted to have a look at this dead body Mm. and they were curious and voyeuristic Mm. and she's the one who's like I'm going to defend Mm. this fellow woman who can't defend herself and be like no 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 she deserves you know she doesn't deserve these gawking eyes on Mm. her and you know maybe you could argue she just wants to get on with her job and she's she's very nervous it might be the first Mm. dead body she's ever seen so she's very nervous about when she's like um got the recorder Mm. and she's uh explaining the different uh wounds that are on her body and hypothesizing what could have caused her death and her voice is very shaky Mm. and I wondered like is it is it because you know 
it's a dead body and that i'm never see a dead body i can only imagine it's horrifying to see one for the first time there's pressure you know she mm-hmm. she's got a lot of eyes on her to do this correctly but i also think there's a level of like empathy for mm-hmm. this victim and to see a woman be brutalized in that fashion mm-hmm. i think that really rocks her and i maybe brings it home that this isn't just you know having a silly flirt with Dr. Lecter, it's, this is serious. Someone's life is on the line as someone could end up, another body could end up on this table if we don't resolve this. And I think all mm-hmm. that pressure falls on her at that moment as a, as a, just as a, a young, ambitious woman. Absolutely. And I think, you know, she's, I suppose throwing in out of her depth, really, mm-hmm. and everybody expects her to fail, mm-hmm. um, and she's determined not to fail for herself, but also because she's really desperate to save Catherine. It is Catherine. Why do I keep wanting to say Caroline? <laughs> oh no, that's a chef, Caroline Mine. <laughs> uh, um, not her. <laughs> yeah, she really wants to save Catherine Martin, and she mm. wants to stop this this man who is is hurting these women and mm-hmm. and like you say that the sort of personal identification with you know i think women can all relate to that to to that idea that well that could be me you know but but mm-hmm. i suppose in this instance that identification it's it's nice actually and this is first time just as i'm just talking this is mm. a thought that's coming to me but it's nice that she is so readily identifying with them when it could have easily been that she didn't because she didn't look like them a hundred percent yeah a hundred percent but that's that's irrelevant that never Mm -hmm. comes up no there's never any and to be fair like i know it's obviously farms part of profile that he's targeting women who are bigger Mm -hmm. for this reason Mm -hmm. but i don't i mean you might i'd be interested again to it I, i never feel necessarily that the women who are being targeted are, are demonized by the the sort of investigators for mm. the fact that they're bigger. Yeah, it's just a fact of the case. But obviously, to to come up with that is is gross. I mean, it's it's offense. I suppose it is offensive as a if you take it from a a purely objectifying standpoint, which mm-hmm. is yeah yeah I think well when I was watching this time, I was looking for when do they actually say it when do they actually mention it's because like the thing they have in common is that they are all white big women and I don't think they ever mention the victim profile and and until until um she is oh oh god I've is it when she's in Baltimore and she's investigating one of the victims and she goes into the house and she notices it's the dress pattern in in yeah. the in the in the wardrobe and that's when she clicks ah it's it's he's taking parts of like a pattern of the yeah. skin he's making a suit and she says that's why they're all so big um so he can starve them and like yeah. you know, use their skin and that I think that's the the first time, like you said, the yeah. investigators mention it. Um, and I, I actually want to bring that up. So as an audience, we realize really, well, we realize as soon as we meet Buffalo Bill mm-hmm. and he's stalking Catherine, mm-hmm. um, that he's targeting her because she is big mm. so the first shot we have of her is when she's in the car and she's singing love that love that song as well <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and it's just such a, she's so like cute 
and joyful and vibrant vibrant and getting on love that always I want all of that all the time and but I think like you know one thing she has is like a fuller face so mm-hmm. a fuller face is a really easy way to like indicate to the audience this is a you know not necessarily a smaller person mm-hmm. so and I just I'm also toying in my head like this is 91 Mm. you know how many bigger people were they seeing regularly on mm. our screens so like was it really obvious to 1991 audiences ah oh, this person's big as soon as they saw mm. that fuller face and then they really double down when they do and um, when you know she gets out of her car she's got a grocery bag which I thought was quite interesting um and she's going to go to her flat and Buffalo Bill asks, oh, can you help me lift this sofa up? He's, he's got a broken arm a la Ted Bundy. I was going to say that as well. Like, yes. you can see Ted Bundy getting van. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. So Ted Bundy, if you don't know, he lured his victims in by pretending that he was injured and that he needed assistance and they're getting into his car, putting something into his car. And then he would like bundle the women in and unfortunately murder them. And so that's what that's what Buffalo Bill does here. You know, she he is playing on her you know just human nature like want to help yeah. your fellow person kindness, yeah. kindness exactly and he um gets her into the van and not like brutally beats her up mm. i was actually when i heard it, i was like, oh that's quite horrible to hear like you know several punches on, to this yeah. woman and he rips her top off oh yeah yeah and we see like <laughs> he like admires her flesh. it's reverence isn't it it's this like yes. stroking down her back and the, yeah like, this reverent but again it's like you said about when he's he's sort of when he's looking at himself and he's got mm-hmm. that necklace on, it's mm-hmm. it's it's that well, it is I suppose reverence in the same way that religious is religious, yes. religion is reverent mm-hmm. but objectifying. Mm-hmm. It's it's the the removal of the humanity from uh-huh. so you know it's it's like a reverence for what she represents, mm-hmm. which is this opportunity for him to get you know more skin for this suit and. Yeah. But it's like when he, he says, oh, what are you about size 14? And she's like, what? And then he oh, clobbers yes. her, you know. And, yes. and he's just, it's, he knows that. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's eyeballed that mm-hmm. when he's, you know. And then obviously he cuts her clothes off and it's, I mean, I do think that bit is mercifully quite brief. And I, I do is. think if somebody made this film now, it'd be really graphic and it'd be yeah. ages and he'd have strung her up in van and, you know, it'd have been awful. Yeah, and you're I do, right. I do think that as a film, and that's probably because it was made in 91 and everything mm. else, it is very sensitive in, mm-hmm. in its, you know, yeah, you see when um, Clarice is at that autopsy and the turner of her and you can see darts are missing out of her back. Mm-hmm. But that's a plot that we need to see that. We truly need to see that, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, don't, I never feel it's excessive. Mm. It's never It never feels excessive. I no, think. I agree. And I think, yeah, like, so, we, so he rips off the shirt and we as the audience see it's a us 14 and he almost mm. like makes this like orgasmic sound mm. to that he's so I'm like with, yeah like <laughs> yes, us 14 <laughs> yeah so it was like again this is 91 like has that changed what's a us 14 in today's money as it were and i found an article are you ready yeah, i'm ready right so basically cool sizes are trash if you oh, shop yes. nowadays like you'll be like a size 18 in one place will be a size 24 in others mm. there's no standardization um so i found this article from the times um as in like 
not the British one, the American one, mm-hmm. um, from 2014 from uh, Laura Stampler. And basically sizing, like standardized sizing, didn't become a thing until the 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, and before then, like it was based on age. So if you were 16 years old, you'd be a size 16. Oh. Uh, yeah. And and it was mainly around the bust measurement. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why it wasn't really standardized is because um, most people, uh, well, I say most women, knew how to sew so you would just make your own clothes to your own sizes so like Mm. not many people were just buying stuff off the rack Mm. and it wasn't until it was like in the 1940s that they start to like look at standardizing sizes Mm. and how they did it is they surveyed 15,000 women in America um and they um just measure them up and then they just kind of put them into categories and I guess like a bit of a bell curve and like where do people fit but the survey um completely dismissed people uh, women of color they, oh, gosh. they would come in and then they just would measure them and then like not take their measurements forward um and because you got a participation fee it's thought that maybe women from like lower socioeconomic yeah. class went and they may have been like more malnourished mm-hmm. so therefore they might have been lower than your average size anyway mm. So that happened. And then when they started looking again at um, sizing, like, to, I guess, to make it better. So catalog mm. shopping became really popular after World War II. Yeah. So the National Bureau of Standards came in. They're like, right, we need to standardize this further. I think mm. I think it was sponsored by some kind of catalog as well. Because obviously, like, you know, uh, corporation and government yeah. are properly intertwined. <laughs> <laughs> And um, but when but when they were doing this sizing, they were measuring women in the air force who are obviously like the well, women in the yeah. country. Yeah. So, so again, it was super skewed because they were not measuring everyone. Yeah. Then in the 50s into the 60s, we got into what is called vanity sizing, which mm. is when they wanted consumers to feel better about mm. their sizes. So they started like um making the smaller sizes bigger so like in 1958 a size us 8 um was a bust of 31 inches and a waist of 23 and a half inches mm. and then they added five to six inches each measurement like to make more people i guess like bigger bodies fit into smaller Same, sizes. yeah and um and then so there's a in, the government kind of stopped doing or standardized sizing Mm -hmm. and this organization called the american society for testing materials or astm for short (laughs) (laughs) they now have like the stand they're like a private company who's uh, Mm -hmm. involved in standardizing sizes and so um a 2008 size eight is an equivalent to a 1958 14 to 16 yeah and then a size two in 2011 is similar to a 1995 size four to six. So based on those numbers, a size Mm. 14 in 91 could be more like a size 12 Mm. now. So that's like, and that's in the US. And so you have sizes for the UK. Yeah. yeah, And you're just like, it's, she's barely big. (laughs) She's not big. I mean, when you look at her, when you see her, she's not big. I mean, she's she's not big. You know, it's and and I do think that that represents. And again, we've just had Oscars, and there's a lot of talk about representation, and we're still mm. not doing enough mm-hmm. in, in any cat. You know, in any way, in terms of gender, in terms of ethnicity, in terms of size. You know, diversity. There's not enough diversity, but 
the fact that a woman was like a size 10 mm-hmm. is is classed as you know i mean our smiles jodie faster then that's well, that's the thing like how small is she if mm-hmm. if she's looking at these women who are like a size 10 mm-hmm. and going they're so big that's why you know mm-hmm. it's like well how small is she yeah for for that to be such a difference and i think maybe it's really telling that they don't show Jodie Foster in comparison to these supposedly big victims. Because I think actually, if you compare the two, you might not see much of a difference, but the whole plot is that he is targeting bigger women. And again, like it goes into this idea, like, well, could they not have cast bigger women and it's like well no because studios don't cast bigger women it's like this is big enough you know like big enough to get our point across um yeah I I I I suppose you never really see her do you you never really see Martin no so they Um, keep her in the dark and then she's down the well so we barely actually see her um, but let's actually talk about Catherine Martin and t- like the very little character we do see of her. Like, what kind of a person do we get across? So, she's obviously a very kind person. Mm. Oh, talking about you mentioned class. She's from an incredibly powerful family yeah. <laughs> because her mother is like the senator of wherever she's from, yeah. um, and that plays a real part in the plot mm-hmm. because that's how so it's yeah. interesting how it's already been five victims by this point yeah. and not a lot's really happened and all of a sudden mm-hmm. the senator's daughter is like well yeah. we must do something now it's like, well where was this urgency for those other four yeah. f- those other five women you know and and you see that i mean that is i don't know whether that were on purpose i would hope it were on purpose but you see that so mm-hmm. often in in investigations yeah um you know if if and and that um that sort of moment when um, Annabelle Letts is saying, you know, what do we begin to cover that that we see every day? And mm-hmm. that's how she yes. understands that one of these victims he knows. Mm-hmm. But that is obviously a woman in a similar environment to him. Mm-hmm. So the first woman that he murdered, we can assume from that, lived in a very similar socioeconomic sort of status to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he were allowed to go on and kill five other women and, mm-hmm. and kidnap another because these women are disposable. Yes. And you can add in the the sort of, I'm sure there's a class element to that, a fat phobic mm-hmm. element to that. I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, all these these elements to it. And it's not until, as you say, it's a woman with this privilege, mm-hmm. with a powerful mother who's, mm-hmm. who's, you know, raining hell down on the FBI and saying, find her, mm-hmm. that actually anybody really takes notice. And mm-hmm. interesting that, it don't get to FBI till then. So that's, you know, five other cases that that have, you know, if I mean, if they're all in the same place, they're all investigated by it. But the fact that it weren't escalated to FBI until this mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. is interesting because it's obviously a serial killer. I mean, it only takes three. You only need three yeah. as a serial killer. So mm-hmm. it were well on his way past that. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah, at this point, still not, no investigation so it there is that element at play as well and i think it it is i hope a conscious i hope it were a conscious choice i suppose when they made it that that mm-hmm. was sort of implied you don't mm-hmm. know I no mean, we don't know and i think like it'd be interesting to read the book because i'm yes. sure go into more detail about that but yeah like i think definitely from the film especially like looking at it 30 years later like there is definitely some kind of commentary going on yeah um 
or even if there isn't then that just shows the problem right the fact that they've gone from a plot point of view well the only reason now that someone's really gonna like you know make buffalo bill pay is because it's someone who has come from privilege like Mm -hmm. like you mentioned the other five are expendable to this point and yeah that is heartbreaking mm-hmm. actually saying that like going oh no because we don't even know like their names we don't even know we, th- we see like one other face like yeah, yeah. but ca- going back to Catherine then so what like, what do you think she like her character is like wh- is she from very li- the li- very little we see of her is she well thought out does she have does she have a personality I think she is I think she's so like you said we see that she's a she's a kind person because she's helped him even though she shouldn't have done <laughs> you know, know warning never help us i don't care if your yeah. arms and your legs and everything's broke i'm not no. helping you get in a van fuck politeness man like fuck no. politeness no yeah. i'm sorry I'm ask that bloke over there yeah ask you. a bloke yeah. yeah what are you asking me for i can't i'm not lifting a sofa <laughs> you know um so it's but yeah and i think so you see that from her then and then obviously she has the fear like the understandable fear oh, but yeah. even then and then i think you know when she has that breakdown and he, and she's screaming and he's going it puts the lotion on its skin and then it's like it yes. puts the lotion in the basket but the the thing about that as well and i know we're going to talk a little bit about is what what is he trying to do in terms of coming at it from is it a, a sort of commentary on, on him is he is he trans is he not is he mm-hmm. just try it? but when he's like she's crying and he's crying like yes. he's trying to mimic her and you can't yes. tell if he's mocking her uh-huh. or if he's trying to feel, mm. trying to be like her. That's a really weird moment, I think, because, mm-hmm. again, his intention is so unclear. Mm-hmm. Is he, Is he? you know, but but then to get back to Catherine, then you see that she's willing to, she's a, a fighter. She, like Clarice, she's a survivor. Yes. She gets that little dog and she's like, yes. I'll kill this fucking dog. Yes. You get me out of here. Uh-huh. And, she, and, and so I know there aren't many women in it, but the mm-hmm. women that are in it are all badass. Mm-hmm. Clarice, Catherine... Even a mom coming mm-hmm. in going, I'm not taking no fucking prisoners here. Yeah, you, 100%. So although there could be and should be more women in it, you know, but the ones that are, I feel like they're, they're very, they're shown as capable and mm-hmm. as survivors and mm-hmm. as being willing to do what it takes to survive. And I like to see that. I hate mm-hmm. to see things where women are just painted as the damsel just waiting, mm-hmm. you know, and the, but that's what makes this interesting in a way is that yeah. it's a woman look it's a woman coming to save another woman she's mm-hmm. not waiting for some fbi guy to come and stick his head over top of all and go i'm here i'll save you mm-hmm. it's clarice who's coming for you know to save her so that's powerful i think in its representation yeah definitely i think her her scheme to yeah. get the dog precious yeah um is is so good yeah. And it's so smart and the fact that like you know it doesn't work the first time so she keeps going and you're just like she's obviously got like determination perseverance like she's not going down without a fight and actually we find out through the wall through the well that the other women fought because you can oh see- god i was just going to say about that bit that's oh my god that is one of the bits that stuck in my mind as a kid mm-hmm. when she sees fingernail fingernail yeah, she yeah, yeah starts to scream because you think you yeah. would wouldn't you yeah because you don't know what's going to happen right no. so that's the idea she has no idea what her fate is but as soon as you see like bloody fingernails and you know you're not the first one yeah. and you're and like that's the thing in it she's like he's done this before he's done this before somebody's obviously not got out of here uh-huh and yeah. like it's that I, I always think that 
sort of motif in films that like fingernails the mm-hmm. you know fingers that you see mm-hmm. it is so horrifying every time you ever see it like it's mm-hmm. it's just it's yeah. just it's so it, awful it's history it's history yeah. like, in a, such a simple shot like she all of a sudden gets like context of where yeah. she is and it's terrifying you know obviously because she keeps it's interesting she doesn't know his name mm-hmm. so she keeps on calling him mister like mister yeah. mister and he, yeah. mister and like you know she doesn't know whether she can sweet talk out of it i'll never tell anyone like yeah. you know, she, you, you, all these bargaining tools mm-hmm. that she does and then she sees the fingernail and just mm. screams hysterically oh, and because, it's she re- awful. Yeah. because she realizes oh no 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 like he's not going to give up he doesn't want me mm. to get out i am done and so yeah. that's when she starts to scheme and i i like i like you say i absolutely adore that like it is an, a woman coming to save another woman mm. uh, i do find it funny because obviously from kathy's point of view she's just like get me the fuck out of here yeah but it's just like no we're still in danger but i can't tell you we're in danger because yeah. you'll freak out more but she's like shut that fuck up <laughs> yeah because i mean when <laughs> she gets when she does get to her i mean she is a bit annoying but you're like she's yeah. been stuck in an hole for three days like yeah. she would i'd be annoying i'd be like get me out of here what yeah. the fuck <laughs> yeah no 100 and i think because you hear um you know the fbi coming and you're like oh well she you know she'll have a team there'll yeah. be a squad there's guns you're like oh my god i'm saved and so yeah. she's like well why are you not getting me out of here like what's yeah. the, what's the hold up she doesn't realize that yeah. clarice has stumbled upon this like yeah. you know but it, it wasn't intentional that like, she's still very much in danger and i just love the look like the very short dynamic between the two of the apps the frustration yeah. of women just being like shut up <laughs> just shut up i'm doing it get me out here i'm I in it all <laughs> I know and actually but when Clarice realizes where she is and her nervousness to get her gun out and then she you know every move she makes is so erratic like it's just like bursting through the door and or like you know wedging herself into a door and like just so awkward and just um not not sleek not not cool but it is cool because we're like she is standing up for herself she's standing up for her the person she's here to save she's like i am getting out of here she's so determined in that moment um but yeah i think i think Catherine is from what we see of her she we do get quite a bit and quite understanding of her mm. and that obviously at the end you know, she's been threatening the dog for the past i don't know last half hour of the yeah. film and then she walks out like cradling the dog yeah. and i was like oh, i hope her precious i hope she keeps precious yes, I, do too. <laughs> I do too i do too but actually going back to buffalo bill and you're you're querying like is he is he mocking her or does he empathize mm. with her he has a pet he yeah. has these moths which we haven't even touched on the moths yeah you know, he, he always a weird said, plot point that i felt like yeah but at the same time it's like <laughs> it's massively important to the imagery yeah yeah, yeah. Man, I, you don't I look don't... like a man who keeps moths i don't i'm sorry <laughs> I, don't, I don't buy it what does a man who keeps moths look like I then no i just i feel like it's conflicting interests <laughs> he has too, too much, much going on he's, so he's a very busy man you know. too much. I don't believe you've got a dog. You've got to walk this dog. You've got He's to got live what, your life. Yeah. You know, you, you're skinning women. You're making a suit. You obviously, have, dread, you, you know, does you've he got have a job? Moths. He must. I don't know. Does he? Does he have a job? Yeah. Is it he, just? He's they just seem like in odds to me, but it is important for the imagery. You're right. So you know, we enjoy like, and I get it. You know, the moth. It's like a transformation thing, and again, that comes back to this idea that. Mm-hmm. 
what is he trying to be? Is he this is obviously about his transformation? Yes. Like he's gonna make this suit and his end yeah. goal is that and that he'll put it on mm-hmm. and he'll transform into someone else. But mm-hmm. like it's never really clear no. what that transformation is mm-hmm. or what it's gonna be. But um, he doesn't know either. No. And that, I think that's a, that's a point that Dr. Lecter makes, is that, like, he thinks the answer is to change, um, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, change genders or or become a woman. Um, he's been rejected from uh, transgender, uh, gender for affirmation surgery. So he's he's kind of taken it into his own hands, but I find it interesting instead of like you know doing anything to himself, which I guess yeah. you know, if you were to get gender affirm gender affirmation surgery, that would be something to you. But yeah. he's still projecting that yeah. out, and then he's going to wear it like mm. like a second skin instead. Yeah, which is interesting because like that's obviously like you'd still be you inside the skin, inside the skin. But yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I want- mean, yeah, go on. I was just gonna say, I, I just, I, I wonder, like, how far has he thought about it? And I, I, I get, like, you know, we don't actually know, um, because we're not, we're not really given a lot about Buffalo Bill, but it's, it, it reeks of desperation. Mm. It reeks of this idea, like, I have, I have to change yeah. myself, um, yeah. but I don't want to hurt myself. I happily hurt these women, but I yeah. wouldn't hurt myself, um, yeah. and even on that then like when we have again the the scene where he's dancing in front of the mm-hmm. mirror he's saying like i'd fuck me so mm-hmm. he doesn't find himself too disgusting for lack of a better term like he obviously likes what he sees in the mirror yeah he still wants to change it's, it, it's very like i don't know whether it's intentionally muddled to kind of show that he really doesn't know what he wants either mm. or whether like whether it is just like not really well thought out and i guess to the transgender points, I guess we have we have to talk about it. Um, I'm I'm a cis woman, so I appreciate mm-hmm. I maybe not the best person to comment on it, but you know, we have a history within media. I guess this is why we're talking about fat representation. We have a history in media of um demonizing and victimizing mm-hmm. uh marginalized people, mm-hmm. and that especially falls in to the LGBTQIA community. Yeah. And I think where there probably isn't many films where they, especially in the 90s, where they were featuring characters that could be Hmm. um, viewed as trans, it is not great that the murderer is, for for lack of a better term, they obviously they query in the film that he's he's not truly a transgender person. Hmm. But it's a a line, it's one line. For Hmm. like the rest of it, he does want to be a woman. That's what we take Hmm. away. And it's not, it's not great. It's not great representation at all no no and obviously to echo you like i'm a a cis woman and and so i'm not i don't presume to um to be the authority on it but i think you're right like it's something that in this film it does have to be be addressed and it is a very negative Uh, it's very negative it's very lazy i think yes. it feels very lazy to me it's yeah. it's lazy writing because it is that demonization of a group that um people are encouraged to fear 
baseless fear you know if you actually actually look at statistics about who is likely to be getting women and skinning them you know trans people are way 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 down on that list but that's just not an accurate it's not an accurate representation and obviously this is based on ed gain and we still don't really Mm -hmm. fully know what ed gain's motives were Mm -hmm. although they were obviously they were very um heteronormative sexually Mm. compulsive behaviors Mm -hmm. whether you know that's the i don't think there's ever um oh as far as i'm aware never been any suggestion that ed gein were were trans it would it were more that he were very very traumatized from his relationship with his mother Mm -hmm. and that had become really twisted up for him because he were like sort of you know in this sort of heterosexual dynamic and then he was sort of trying to become his mother, I, I guess, mm-hmm. rather than becoming a woman. Mm-hmm. And and so if they've used that as a motivation, which we know that that was a, a motivation for Buffalo mm-hmm. Bill's character, but then to just sort of drop in this bit about, oh, he's being rejected for surgery. Well, that's that's such a leap. Yeah. To go, oh, he's been rejected for surgery. So yeah. instead he's going to kidnap women and kill them and make a suit. Like it's yeah. just... It is a very lazy plot point that I don't think were even necessary, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it it just again, like like you've said, it just de- further demonizes a community that's been through enough and is still actually, you know, we look at this now. I mean now. Yeah. And it's even worse than it's ever been. And it's Ooh. absolutely horrendous. Yeah. And it, you know, it just gets worse and worse. And mm-hmm. and it is you again, I mean, I can't think of many portrayals of, of that we've seen even from 91 to now mm-hmm. of trans people mm-hmm. and even less that have been positive, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, that have been a fair representation of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it is, it's very lazy and unnecessary. And, yeah. you know, that scene where he's dancing and he's sort of tucked his, you know, mm-hmm. tucked his genitals back and it's like seen as a, it's like, I don't think it's played for humour in the film, but obviously there's been a lot of subsequently where people have played that yes, for laughs. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's really toxic and cruel and, mm-hmm. and un- unpleasant as well. And mm-hmm. and again, I mean, I'll not get on my soapbox about it, but, you know, this idea that um, artists and people who make art have got no responsibility for how the work's interpreted, and I disagree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with that i think you can't always you, you can't you make something you make a film for instance you put it out into the world you can't police how everyone's going to interpret your art that's mm-hmm. just art is subjective but i do think that when things are, are, are like that quite clearly able to be used against someone mm-hmm. then you have got a responsibility to have a clarity of your position mm-hmm. and they could have done that they could mm-hmm. have either expressly been sympathetic or they could have you know been more explicit it, it, it could have been much less muddled in terms of what his motivations were mm-hmm. um and it's a lazy choice not to do it and also like an irresponsible one mm-hmm. and it's not like people can go well it were 91 trans people didn't exist because mm-hmm. that's absolute bullshit that's so, not that's, that's not true guys you know, yeah so it's yeah i do think that is a an element of it that is very um negative mm-hmm. i 100% agree with everything you've just said um it's interesting isn't it that kind of like oh well i just put it out there it's not my responsibility to uh, to monitor how people consume it sure but there's a difference between 
punching on your level or punching down and we're punching down here and I think like to kind of wrap up why we're talking about Silence of the Lambs and why we're talking specifically about Buffalo Bill and Catherine Martin right now is that these marginalized identities Mm -hmm. right are the basis for their character so it's not it buffalo bill's motivation like at the most simplest point is to like he believes it's to become a woman and wear a woman's suit right so that is demonizing the idea of being transgender that is his motivation yeah they argue in the film whether it's true transgenderism or not but that is it we don't get we're not given any more context than that yeah Catherine martin is victimized because she is in a bigger body and that's Mm -hmm. it there's no i mean obviously she's a woman so i guess half the population right because of that and then you know it's a subsect of that population are because she is bigger she's being victimized and that's it so the film has gone those two things are completely valid reasons Mm. to be a murderer or be murdered yeah and that is shit now to bring um another another film from the 90s seven um oh god (laughs) (laughs) so the very first murder of that film is uh the deadly sin of gluttony Mm. and when morgan freeman brad pitt go and investigate the scene Mm. brad pitt is the most dismissive bastard in the world he's so nasty and cruel and basically saying like you know why is this a murder scene like he clearly just ate himself to death because he's a very very big man is the victim and uh yeah he's like oh he clearly you know it's clearly a heart attack why would we even do an autopsy like completely flippant to the idea that this person could be murdered and then when they do confirm he was um poisoned i I believe it's poisoned isn't it um they go to their chief of police and morgan freeman's character is very he's he's really sure that this is like a target Mm -hmm. and the chief of police says oh well somebody wanted the fat boy dead as if that's a completely valid reason to be murdered and i'm like we don't know anything about this victim victim other than the fact that he is a fat man Mm -hmm. and like i guess with the silence of the lambs her entire reason why she's targeted is because she's a fat woman and it's just like the film passes it as if it's a completely not valid because obviously it's not it's not um people aren't you know praising it or or allowing it but it is it is almost like okay well that that's it that's just his mo he goes after fat women we've got to deal with it yeah and then like don't be fat yeah you know (laughs) don't be a woman yeah don't Don't be a woman woman. don't be fat don't be fat if you if you exist if you have to be a woman don't be fat like you know yeah. <laughs> you know but try- also also don't be too small because uh, then you can't fade them off yeah but don't be too big because you can't run away and you know but what don't maybe, be, you know you, you're pro- that's probably the bigger question like regardless of um what kind of characteristics you have someone somewhere will find a reason to victimize you for it right yeah yeah absolutely but yeah. i do i do think that the overwhelming message of it is well unfortunately a truism which is that mm. it's not your fault as a woman why so you know i think whether mm. it says that clearly enough i think it could be argued it doesn't but really the message is that you know or the message should be what people take away from it is that it don't matter 
what the reason is, it's not your fault because there'll always be a man who wants to hurt fat women, there'll always be a man who wants to hurt thin yes. women, who wants to hurt blonde women. That's wants, it. You know, there'll always be a reason. Mm-hmm. And the the you reduce all these things down and all these factors down, and what do you get? Straight mm-hmm. white men. Yeah, I know. But that's that's the danger. It's you know, um I know. And it's and and again, like to to say, as you say, like the fact that the only two defining things for these two characters are the elements of their existence that mean they are the most marginalized. Marginalized, yeah. Is 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 bad. And it is unfortunately though, it's not even like it's just indicative of that time because we're still seeing that now in, in mm-hmm. representation. Mm-hmm. Um and it is it is really um really sad that mm-hmm. we we don't get you know, and that's why podcasts like this are so important. That's why mm. seeing representation of, of people is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, of everybody, of all body types, all 100%. backgrounds, all you know, everybody deserves to see themselves represented because we're all we all live on this planet at the most base level. Yeah. We're also we're all consumers of media. Mm-hmm. So you know, now all these people getting butter about everything everywhere all at once, winning Oscars, and it's like, oh, um, and I saw about um turning red that people were complaining. Some white male reviewer said, "I can't relate to this, so mm-hmm. it's not a good film." And it's like, well, welcome to being anybody who's not straight white. You know, heteronormative, mm-hmm. like don't see the self represented, or if they do, it's negative. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's room. <laughs> you've had the you've had the field for long enough. Give someone mm-hmm. else a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. Um, like I couldn't agree more. As someone who adored both of those films, everything, everywhere, all at once, and Turning Red, I just think like you know what? Not all media is to placate every single person. Yeah. But there's this thing where they just think the standard is white straight man and yeah. if you do anything apart from a, a, a you know be, uh, focus your media on any other audience apart yeah. from straight white man oh well then um you're you're woke you're uh you're political you're you know um you're isolating audiences and i'm like i'm just like well you know you what know. you don't have to watch it you can just yeah. turn it off like yeah. it's it's mad to think that like you think everything should be for you but at the absolutely fine challenge yourself mm. challenge yourself and try and empathize with someone who doesn't yeah. look like you because we've all had to do it yeah for years <laughs> like yeah. But I think that's yeah. ultimately the problem is that they've never had to do it. Mm. So then they're asking them to do it. They're like, but how, how does one do it? And then like media literacy is way down just across mm. the board. Like people really are struggling to like critically analyze media yeah. anyway. But then you're adding this other thing, which is like, okay, well also like we're going to have like every other person that hasn't been the star of these films or now the star of these films. Mm. Um, they're just like, oh, well, how how can I relate to this? Because they don't look like me. I'm like, well, I can relate to things it, when they don't look like me. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's like, what does that have to do with you? If somebody's a well-written character and the star is interesting, why I don't understand I've never understood this idea. I don't get it. No. About, I, agree. I can't I can't relate to somebody's experience because it's not my experience. It's like mm-hmm. in that why you watch films, in that yes. why you do things because you want to see other people's experiences. Well, you'd think. Well, you'd think you would, wouldn't you? And, and it's it is, it's so reductive and it's so again laziness. It's just laziness. Mm, and it is lazy. I don't I don't want to watch a film about my life. I mm. want to see other people's lives. It, I want to see other things, escapism, you know, and uh-huh. and, and and having an opportunity to see mm-hmm. 
I mean, for us as, as horror fans, I mean, we're used mm. to being like, you know, women as horror fans for a long time, you know, we were just slasher fodder, weren't we? We oh, were I just, know. you know, yeah. um, and it's, and it, but again, it doesn't stop women being fans of horror, even when they're no. not being represented. You, mm-hmm. you can see problems with it and you hope to support films that tell different stories. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sitting here going, oh, I can't watch this film because only women that are in it die when it first sort of 10 minutes. Like, yeah. well, all right. It's not brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's But it's... But yeah, just this thing about media literacy and, and people yeah. not being able to critique and people not being able to, to think critically of things and also mm. to 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 appreciate other people's perspectives it's not helping us as a society in any no. way like it's no. really weakening us mm-hmm. as a society that mm-hmm. that we um you know i mean we, we talk about it in girls chat and about you know these pure i mean puritines is one of the funniest <gasps> things that I've, yeah I've, you know, so but interesting. This, yeah, and this idea now that young people don't want to see sex on mm. screen or they don't mm. want to be confronted by things. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, you know, obviously there's a, uh, there's a time and a place to mm-hmm. be confronted with things. I'm a fan of a lot of French extremity, somebody mm-hmm. I really don't like. It's not for me. But again, it's not it's just not for me. Yeah. You know, Doesn't I'm mean not, it doesn't have an audience. Yeah. I'm yeah. not a Marvel. I've never seen a Marvel film. Oh, you're lucky. I, I mean, you know, I've never mm. seen one. It's a real, sorry, state of affairs to be saying that something shouldn't exist just because mm-hmm. you don't like it. Yeah. You know, that it's, it's, it don't speak to you. I find it's, it's a narcissism, really, isn't it? It's a it very is. narcissistic point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like the death of art. It's the yeah. death of expression. Like this idea that like everything you do must find a massive audience. Like, no, yeah. like, you know, some things are super niche. Um, I just think, I really hope this is just like a weird blip we're having yeah. and we'll we'll start to get better at it again. Um, I do think the films that are like the lower non-superhero films that are coming out yeah. are so good and they are doing well at the box office which means that hopefully studios will take yeah. bigger chances on like the the smaller i like i'd love the rom-com to come back i fucking love a rom-com <laughs> um, yeah you, you know like i mean like, i love all genres but like i just want to like you know sometimes i just want to watch like something fun and watch like two people fall in love like like yeah why is that just like cinema like doesn't come to the cinema anymore i just think it's weird we're in a weird position i think streaming services have a lot to answer for mm. actually with it all um but i i am hopeful we have to be hopeful if we're if we're media fans we have to be hopeful things will change yeah. um so i think we should wrap up yes um, is there because <laughs> we've been talking for a while but um is uh, first of all i want to ask you would you recommend this film if people hadn't seen it Yes, I would recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with the caveats that we have mentioned. Yes. Um, but I do think you have to take it very much as a product of its time and its context. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that the things that we've critiqued it on were, were any less critique worthy then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, you know, I mean, obviously, it did really well at Oscars. I don't necessarily think that's the barometer by which to judge things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the acting in it and the casting is fantastic. And I do think mm-hmm. it's worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yes, I would say so. Okay, and then I'm doing this thing where um, I'm rating films and media based on uh, myself for specifically for fat representation, not how much you enjoyed the film, but how well you think it represents uh, body diversity. So out of five megs, how <laughs> many would you rate it? Oh, four. Oh, that's really good. Four megs, yes. Oh, I think most of that might be nostalgia. I have to yeah. be honest. <laughs> no, that's fair. No, I mean that's completely fair. Like your your rating is your rating. I think I'm I'm not going to rate it as high as you. I think I'm going to give it two and a half. Okay. Two and a half Hannahs, because two and a half Hannahs, and just because, um. <laughs> and uh, maybe th- this is just just me talking i don't want to see fat bodies get brutalized you know <laughs> no and actually no i don't if I've, i think it's yes i agree i do think that that is um it's making me want to change my rating oh you you um, can absolutely you, you can do what you want you can change your rating uh, but i think but based on the fat rep- based on this podcast based yes. on everything we've talked about three megs three megs okay so two and a half hannah's three megs yeah. okay that yes. is what we're locking in yeah um- <laughs> 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 oh it's so stupid um right so thank you so much meg for coming on and chatting slides lambs it's it's a it is an awesome film like yeah as much like you mentioned as much as it's got those caveats because it's 30 plus years old it's still the, the tension the suspense the yeah. pacing is oh, yeah. just top banana the sound the um the the the, the uh what am i trying to say the soundtrack all of it it's yeah. just, it really is a brilliant film it, it and is. it's one of those ones i'd love to see in the cinema one day and i'm yes. sure it probably does come round every so often right mm. um but anyway, thank you so much meg for joining me on this podcast fats on film and where can the lovely listeners find you Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. I've very much enjoyed our chat. <laughs> Good. Um, people can find me at Monstrous Meg. So it's Monstrous underscore Meg on Instagram and Twitter. But I've only recently made the Twitter profile. So there's nothing on there yet. Because <laughs> <laughs> I still think Twitter's a dying medium. I don't know I, why. I mean, Twitter. yeah, I don't know. I'm um, on there too. But like for how long? Who knows? How long? Who knows? And also um, on my Instagram, there is a link to my link tree and people can find all my reviews as well as the Monstrous Flesh uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend following Monstrous Flesh as well. Mm. Um, and you'll be able to find out we'll be doing some more uh, screening and panel events and many fun things. So That's so cool. Yeah. Loads of Keep stuff going on. Oh, yes. Busy, oh. Busy. <laughs> oh. You know what? One thing I love about the horror community is like someone's always got something going on. Yes. Love it. Um, thank you Absolutely. so much. And I guess the listeners can also find me. I'm Queen Bee Says on Instagram and Twitter. And the podcast is also on Instagram and Twitter as uh, at, at Fats on Film. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for listening. We'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>